If you like betting on golf But everyone that you back misses the cut Get some experts involved With all the stats and the tips and so much more Cause it's the golf betting system The golf betting system is the golf betting system Greetings, welcome to the Golf Betting System Podcast. This is our 2023 US Open Tips Podcast. It's episode 264. Paul Williams joins me, Steve Bamford, to discuss our selections for this week's major championship. Good morning, Paul. Good morning, Steve. How are you doing? We're very good. We're barrelless today as uh, he's on. He's, uh, he's flying to the Antipodes, but... Uh, if you want to hear Barry's views on who he thinks it was is going to win the US Open, episode 263, he's got his own segment on there. This podcast is for listeners of 18 and above. Please be gambler You can visit begambleaware.org for more info. And of course, please bet responsibly. Visit our world-famous golf betting system website where we have my in-depth US Open betting preview, plus our usual plethora of major championship stats, including our unique major championship performance uh, analysis. Now, that goes back to the Masters in 2017. Great piece of work from Paul, that one. We've also got our US Open predictor model. All of this content, like this podcast, completely free of charge with no paywall. Paul is at Golf Betting on Twitter. I am at Bamford Golf. Subscribe to the Steve Bamford Golf YouTube channel where this podcast is available along with my weekly golf betting show. We've just broken through three and a half thousand subscribers on the YouTube channel, so keep those coming. Now, you guys, as listeners, power this podcast, so we need your five-star reviews on Apple Podcasts. As ever, for those of you who leave a review, I will read them out at the start of a future show. Leave your name and where you are in the review. This is our last review, listeners. So can we have some, please? Otherwise, this segment of the show next week is going to be rather short and rather embarrassing. Right, title. I always thought grass was just grass. Five stars. A great show. Steve, Paul and Barry put in so much work in order to help us with our selections. With the website to support, it has brought a new dimension and added enjoyment to golf punting. This, the shows cover everything you need detail-wise, in-depth stats, with the added humour of such things as the post-it note of shame, it is a great listen along. Cheers all. That's from Graham in Great Britain. Thank you, Graham, for your time. Yeah, brilliant stuff, Graham. Thank you. And it's nice to nice to hear people using the full range of uh, content and uh, stats that we've got on the site. Plenty on there this week, as you said, again, for the US Open. So uh, do take a Take a look around the site and, uh, and, yeah, if you've got any thoughts or feedback, drop us a review. That would be nice to have another one for next week. Last week, pretty much disastrous for me. Was it disastrous for you? It wasn't good. Well, yeah, I, I hubbard um, on the... Uh, oh, yes, yeah, so I was talking about your DP World oh, Tour. Oh, yeah, disastrous. Moment, the, the DP World uh, Tour. But you did have Hubbard... So that was good. Nice each way return. What price was that? 110. Uh, Barry had CT Pan as well. He, he looked um, 
What well, price was that? I think he's, I think out he out said there, 125, it? yeah. So, um, mm, well, knowing Barry, he would have taken a, a billion places each way as well, wouldn't he? So, um, it would have been in that kind of bracket. But, um, yeah, at one point, CT Pan looked like he was going to win and a couple of shots clear, wasn't he, going into the final day? And just, I don't know, you know, you can just stall, can't you? All the players can can just stall in that situation. It was only when he played himself out of the tournament that he racked up those birdies at the end, which... Uh, which made it look a little bit more, uh, yeah. a little bit closer than it was. But how many millions of times have you seen that? Oh yeah, plenty, plenty. Yeah, but a good pick you, from Barry as well. Very good pick. And then we had, I don't know, Tommy. Eh? What can you do? <laughs> that what final can you do hole with Tommy. Eh? That final hole, you described it as an open goal. Um, he had an open goal there for his first PGA Tour victory. Yeah, open goal, four hundred and ninety-five yard par five. Yeah, you got to make birdie, Tommy. Yeah, just club down, find the fairway, and uh, everyone going from it from, from there from kind of two forty, two fifty, two sixty, straight away shot, and uh, yeah, it just didn't happen. Hmm. But then ultimately... Congrats to Nick Taylor. Congrats to Nick Taylor, eh? What? Yeah. And that crowd reaction was just unbelievable. Oh, wow. Immense. You, you, you nail a 70-footer like that to win. It's, uh, it's enough <laughs> to get the heart pumping of the uh, the locals out there. I'm not getting into all of this live politics. For all of the money that Royal Bank of Canada put into the PGA Tour, you would have thought that they would give the RBC Canadian Open a better slot in the schedule mm. where they can actually get a far better field. Yeah. You know, when you've got Omar Uresti being added to the field <laughs> on a Wednesday night, that's for the amount of money that the uh, Canadian bank put into it, that is embarrassing from the PGA Tour perspective. Well, they'd gone through the entire list of alternates. Um, by that point. Were they phoning you? <laughs> yeah, they might have been phoning Barry. He's got a better chance than me. But um, you know, Ben Crane. It's just the it's just the usual list of absolute drum. You know, absolute garbage. Oh, can you come up? Look, we're, we're really desperate here. Yeah. Derek Ernst. Derek, can you come up? Yeah, fancy a start. <laughs> well, I'll have to, I'll have to move my gardening job for that day, but I'll come <laughs> up. Can you pay me? Because I'm going to miss the cut. Yeah, get yourself up here. <laughs> yeah. That's not good, is it? No, that it's is a not shame. a good look for a but national open. I'm afraid these pre-major events often do suffer that way because, you know, quite rightly, players want to, you know, get themselves prepared for the following week, and the guys that do turn up aren't necessarily focused on going all out to win. Um, yeah, some some of them are. Some of them will, will give it a good go, and Tommy will be seriously disappointed not to have won that. Because um, it was an incredible chance coming up the final hole, but now a lot of people, goes. a lot of people are going to be interested in him this week, Paul. Mm. And a similar situation that happened at the Memorial with Denny McCarthy. How do you think they both react to that? Do you see them as runners and riders? I mean, you know, theoretically, you look at McCarthy with his amazing short game. You look at Tommy who finished second at Shinnecock on fast, firm golf course, has got a decent major record. Mm. You could you could both go, oh, actually, they're, they're two for my portfolio yep. this week. Could see them both going well. It's just, for me, I've just struggled to go with them on the basis of how do they react to those quite severe losses to Victor Hovland and to Nick Taylor. Yep. 
No, well, we'll come on to Danny McCarthy when we get into my longer priced section because um, he, spoiler alert, is one of my names on there. But in terms of Tommy, I don't know. If you look again and look at his stats, it was more his putting again last week rather than his long game. And you sometimes see this from Tommy and... You know, his game almost gets flipped upside down and he contends. And the week that he puts all together in his long game and his short game and his putting all aligns, you know, he should go and win a pretty serious tournament, whether it's a major or not. I mean, yeah, that remains to be seen at some point in his career. But, you know, he's massively talented. But you just worry that you're just concerned that um, that was very strong that was a guilt-edged opportunity last week that he let go by it's got to hurt it's got to hurt I think so there will be a victory for Tommy but he is another Matt Kuchar Ricky Fowler sort isn't he they they literally it's paint it's like a spider walking on a sheet of paper with ink on its feet it's a slow old job just Mm. uh, eventually creeps over the line 10 to 1 12 to 1 yeah yeah and there's yeah. never a price there, is there? It's the, the, the odds just shorten and shorten, which just makes it less and less backable, sadly. Right. Come, Paul. Let's talk US Open, shall we? Mm. Now, as I say on all of these tips podcasts for the majors, if you want detailed analysis, trends, how the course is going to play, what to look out for, look at uh, go to the research podcast. That's the previous podcast. It's episode 263. Uh, Barry has a section on there where he lists his runners and riders. He's probably adding some now on his flight. I know one player that he was absolutely keen on but hadn't put up was Spieth. So I expect Spieth goes on the list. But he's already backed on the exchange. So I can't really quote you accurate prices because they're blended. He's gone for Tyrrell Hatton. We just mentioned him, Ricky Fowler. I did laugh. Shane Lowry and Siwoo Kim. There's some serious players in there at some good prices. Mm. Yeah, and Hatton played well last week. Well, he did. Did, did, didn't he? To get himself into the position. In the well, end. yeah. He, I mean, you said about CT Pan, Tyrrell Hatton, for a 10 to 1 chance. When you started throwing double bogeys on the front and then you're five behind the lead and then the birdies start to flow, it's a mm. bit... Mm, still doesn't win a lot in the States, does he, Hatton? No. But um, for what prices you're getting. But yes, he is playing exceptional good golf, isn't he? I think, uh, as Barry said, he's ranked number third for all-round and strokes gained on the tour. This year, I mean, that's a phenomenal number behind just Rahm, of course, and Scheffler. Yeah. That's the kind of golf that Tyrrell Hatton's playing this year. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Going to be a really key member of our uh, Ryder Cup team. Mm. Right. And before we get into the detail, in terms of best bookmaker for the US Open, we are highlighting Bet365, who have extended their default each way terms to eight places each way of 50 odds. I've used them on two of my four US Open tips right now. And literally, I went through these prices five minutes before the record. This is Tuesday morning in the UK. They are offering market best odds and extended eight places each way on market leagues such as Brooks, Kepka at 11 to 1, McElroy 12 to 1, Hovland 16 to 1, Xander 20s. We've got Cam Smith at 28. He's the same price as Max Homer. 
Hatton at 30s, Morikawa at 30s, Justin Rose at 35 to 1, and uh, we've got Fleetwood at 40 to 1 with Hideki Matsuama at 40 to 1. So they are best price of any bookmaker offering extended each way places. We recommend Bet365 if you're 18 plus and do not have a Bet365 sports account. You can find details of their current bet £10, get £30 in free bets, new customer promotion, plus a link through to that very offer with T's and C's in this podcast description. You ready for it, Paul? Don't forget to use the bonus code. Sport30, S-P-O-R-T-3-0. When registering. I think we could be a double act, mate. <laughs> Some kind of comedy bit, show. Bit of stand-up, eh? Stand up. (laughs) Sometimes I watch these golfers, I'm on my knees, I don't know if I'm standing up. Yeah, I think we might clear the auditorium. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Okay. It's a beauty this week, North Course, Los Angeles Country Club. I was watching some some coverage overnight. Um, Everyone's talking about live. Merger, PGA Tour. There's no talk about the US Open whatsoever, which is disappointing. The players are laughing because the first question they get asked as soon as they're in the old uh, media centre is, what do you think to the live merger? And they're like, for God's sake, people, I'm trying to actually win a major championship here. Uh, 7,421 yards this week, par 70. It's technical. The scoring's going to be very high. It's classical. It's a very old-style golf course. It's also very long. Gil Hans renovated this George Thomas original, 1928. He uh, renovated in 2010 with the help of Jim Wagner and Jeff Shackelford, who's always a good follow on Twitter. If you want a golf historian and a golf course historian, Jeff Shackelford, probably the best in the business. And you can see the input. I mean, this, this golf course is phenomenal. It's fiery. It's thoughtful. Um, I've read some claims, and one of them actually comes from Gil Hans. He says that the winner of this will need to be very cerebral. They're going to have to think their way around it. It's a major difficulty kind of test where the difficulty is on the ground more than anything. You know, you've got cambered fairways. You've got Baranka on a lot of these holes. What is Baranka? Well, Baranka basically, it's a gorge. It's a kind of, um, it's a dried up stream bed, effectively, or a small river bed. So you're going to see a lot of these holes that in front of the hole or to the right of the hole or to the left or intersecting through fairway segments. So a huge like 30 yard expanse of this stuff that means that, You've either got to lay up or you know, really get yourself together and try and carry it. It's just sand, it's uh it's fescue, it's buffalo grass, it's rocks, uh, there's all there's bushes in there, there's all manner of stuff. It, I tell you what, but Paul, it reminds me slightly of um TPC Scottsdale a little bit. It's a little bit desert golfy, you know what I mean? Where if you if you're straying off the green, you are in some serious trouble. I mean, clearly there you've got rocks and cactus yeah. and cacti and all manner of stuff. But this has that kind of feel to it. 
And it also has a whistling straights feel to it. Do you remember Dustin Johnson in 2010? Mm. Martin Keimer, blah, 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 blah. They, that had just sand everywhere, didn't it? And that sandy area you had to play from, and it yeah. wasn't a bunker. Yeah, waste areas. This is waste the thing. areas. Yeah, this is the thing. They're, they're not penalty areas, are they? But the, the lie in these... Yeah. Uh, yeah, the, the lie could be completely random. It, you, it could be absolutely fine. You could be, um, you know, as you described, up against a rock or something, and uh, you know, you've got to play it. You got to play it. Yeah, absolutely. You're not, you're not moving the rock. No. So you just um, it, yeah, got, got to keep yourself out of it, effectively. Keir Island was similar as well. Mm. So this is what I'm saying. You've got to be on the ball with every shot here. You've got to be very, very, very strategic. You've got to sh- be able to shape the ball both ways as well, especially on these can you know these cambered fairways, where Hans and and Thomas originally are saying that what you where you need to be is on the left of this seventy yard fairway, seventy yards. Yeah, they are huge fairways here, mm. but you really got to be on that top fifteen yard section over there. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to make sure that that fairway is cantered or cambered from left to right and it's taking your ball as soon as it hits the ground and it's turning it against where you want to be. And guess where? It's going to take you down to the bottom of this hill where you're going to have a blind shot into the green or you're going to be in a load of thick four-inch rough as well just to make it even more tricky for you. So this is it, very cerebral. You've got to... So clearly on on a shot like that, you need to be trying to shape the ball from right to left to keep the ball in that 10 to 15 yard yeah. go zone. This is, I think it's going to be great. I really do. The actual um, conditions or the agronomies, Bermuda grass fairways, Bermuda grass rough. There is all of this fescue, buffalo grass, rocks, sand, barranca, all uh, you know, in, on lots of the holes. Uh, the, the dance floors, pure creeping, uh, pure distinction creeping bent grass. And they're quoting on the greenkeeper sheet up to 13 on the stimp. Mm. Lovely jubbly. Releasing greens. Now, also here, it's rin- it is rinse and repeat weather. It was one of the easiest weather segments of my preview I've ever written. In fact, I wrote it on Sunday because it was just this happens every day here. Yeah, it's not changing. It- no, it's it's almost as if you go to Puerto Rico, which is exactly the same every year as well. It's like 15 to 25 mile an hour winds, which are heavier in the afternoon, and it's always about 85 Fahrenheit. Mm. This is slightly different. 20 to 24 degrees Celsius every single day. Yeah. I'm just scrolling down, Paul, so I can quote the Fahrenheit. 68 to 75 Fahrenheit. Okay. You'll get a little bit of that... Um, Cloud cover, that marine layer, up until about 10 o'clock, 10.30. Mm. So if you're actually in one of those morning slots, that's when you need to press the go here because you are going to have greens that are slightly more receptive. It's still going to be fairly warm. We're not going to have this PGA Championship problem when they were literally teeing off and it was six degrees. Mm. So any starters from eight to about 10, if you can get going here, you can make a few birdies. But from that point on, the sun's going to be beating down. There's going to be a 5 to 10 mile an hour breeze off the Pacific every single day. 
and those greens are just going to get crustier and crustier and crustier, which makes Sunday, <laughs> that's probably the day they don't go out with the hoses and they just say, away you go, boys. Yep. Yeah, you'd imagine they'll keep it <clears throat> relatively, I, don't know, yeah. I mean, relatively um, playable Thursday, Friday, and then just let it go a little bit over the weekend. You could see this being, say, six to to eight under leading going into the weekend, but that winning score doesn't ever get any lower. Just shoot it, yeah. It just, just starts there. creeping back. You got to. Uh, pars will be pars will be king, especially on that back nine on Sunday. Um, there's a huge research piece. I will put a link through to this uh, in the description if you haven't read it already. For me. When I look at skill sets, and I know this course is slightly different, but it is a US Open. It's also a 7,400-yard par 70, which does feature par, three par fives and five par three, so it's slightly different. But I don't see many, I don't see many US Open winners that don't gain huge amounts of, of, of um, strokes off the tee. Hmm. You, you're probably sitting there thinking, Matt Fitzpatrick won this last last year, Steve. Come on, talk, you're talking gibberish. Well, Matt Fitzpatrick was second for strokes gained off the tee at Brookline. Because sneakily, he had built up um, built up his swing speed and he was getting it out there by the time he won this. Yeah. John Rahm, fifth for off the tee. Bryson DeChambeau, second for off the tee. That's the last three winners of the US Open. Second, fifth and second for strokes gained off the tee. So, with all of my picks this week, and there's four of them, and by the way, Paul's already given you his long shot, who is one of his long shots, Denny McCarthy. He was the, he, it was either Denny, or it was the guy that I eventually put in my tips as my longest price, that I was basically having this mental battle over. So I'm very pleased, and Paul had nothing to do with Paul and I didn't have this discussion, but I'm more than happy that Paul has actually put Denny McCarthy into his long shots because I think McCarthy's going to go well here. When I'm talking about off-the-tee numbers, I'm, I'm talking about guys that ultimately win. Don't get confused. Players of any kind of ilk here, I think, are in play. Short and straight, great. Fantastic around the green and putting, great. Um, so a, fits, uh, a McCarthy fits on that basis, but I don't think ultimately Denny McCarthy will win this, but he's a great each-way punt. Mm. But for me, US Opens is pretty simple. It's players who contended in the last major or two, and it's those that are absolutely right on line and right on fire with their driver, their off-the-tee game, and for me, I also, and I've, I've said this trend now for a couple of majors, I want players that have actually been putting positively with the putter recently. Mm. Now, clearly, that puts a few of the big names slightly backwards on the basis, you know, of, of clearly the first one would be Scotty Scheffler. He was the first decision for me. Do you put Scotty Scheffler in? Because T to green, the agronomy, we've said all along, Bermuda grass is his thing. So the Bermuda grass fairways and rough and everything, that's, that is Scotty Scheffler to a T. He's going to love that. He's already won on bent grass greens. We know that he won, of course, the Masters. I also think that those greens that they play at Scottsdale, 
the way that they overseed them, they used to feature velvet bent grass, but they are very they're not they're not your standard Bermuda. They're basically very, very non-grainy greens there, and he's yeah. a two-time winner at Scottsdale. Mm. So I, I don't think he's going to struggle with the, with the actual greens themselves. It's just the fact that he can't putt at the moment. Yeah, it's been interesting. And ultimately, do you win a US Open with a negative putt putting or a a level putting number? Historically, you don't. Yeah, you need to be at least a half kind of shot around positive. Mm. Yeah, at the start of the week, it's interesting to see where the early money went because you know we we can all look at. Scotty Scheffler's form line and he you know he's been peppering the top end of leaderboards for a few weeks now without getting over the line um, and that's been purely down to these uh, putting performances because his tee to green game has been absolutely incredible uh, I, I I didn't know how the market would go I don't I, you know whether people would just blindly back that and just hope and assume that he could come up with a um with a neutral or better putting week or not. But he has. He's been backed off the boards. You know, yesterday he was just a, a sea of blue across all of the all of the bookies. Um generally now six to one, um, eleven to two. The, if you if you're willing to go um with the absolute minimum each way places, you can get seven to one. But um yeah, I I I I, I was in two minds as to whether that would go the other way and people would kind of ignore it and uh, and and we'd see him drift out, but he hasn't. And punters have put their faith in the fact that he'll find that flat stick. The other thing with Scheffler is, Paul, I mean, when I can't recall a, a major winner at that price. The shortest I can recall in recent history, Jordan Spieth, I think he was 9-1 to one when he won the US Open in 2015. Yep. He'd just come off winning the Masters. So, um, I don't know. Anyway, I'm not on Scheffler. I mean, it's historic tee to green performance. I get that. Um, I think Scheffler will be in the mix. Um, if you're adding him to a portfolio, I get that. Um, but he's not for me at that price. And there were there were players a little further down that I, I, I fancied and I wanted to get in the team. Now, I found this fantastic tweet from Data Golf yesterday. Best major championship seasons by cumulative strokes gained since 1983. Okay. Top of the charts, Tiger Woods in 2000. He'd finished fifth at the Masters. He won the US Open, won the Open, won the PGA. Second best, Jordan Spieth in 2015. We just mentioned him. First at the Masters. He won the US Open 9-1. to Finished fourth at the Open, second at the PGA. Third, Tiger Woods, 2002. First at the Masters, first at the US Open, T28 at the Open, second at the PGA. And then, number three, my first tip. 2023 to date, Brooks Kepka, second at the Masters, first at the PGA. So at the moment, historically, Kepka is having the fourth best major season in history mm. since strokes gain have been captured. I mean, to put that into context, it's above Phil Mickelson in 04, Woods in 05, Woods in 07. Now, it's, it's, a, it's a pretty mad stretch of golf. It's even above where he was in 2019 when he won the PGA, finished second at the USA. I mean, Kepka's just on it. And, um, you know, for me, we've got the uh, major championship uh, analysis 
And there are two players that are just clear at the top by a country mile. Number two, Scotty Scheffler. Brooks Kepka, number one. Yeah. 70.01 major championship scoring average since the 2017 Masters. That is mad. Mm. To put it into context for listeners, he sits at 70.01. You've then you've then got uh, Scotty Scheffler, who is about a quarter of a stroke behind, and then it's a half a shot back to those that are even you know it's just it's mad he's pretty much lapping the field Mm. so I thought 11 to 1 is is that's a true price right now Um, I've backed him in the past at 20 to 1 11 to 1 and 18 and to 1 to win uh, his three PGA championships he's a two-time US Open winner he's gone back to back in terms of winning United States majors in the past uh, back in, uh, he's, he's won US Open, then won PGA Championship following that. So, yeah, why not? I'm on Kepka. Yeah. He, uh, I know he doesn't, <clears throat> Barry said this at the PGA Championship or post-PGA Championship. I know he doesn't overly come across as a cerebral golfer, but actually the way that he plays the game with with his, um, with Ricky's, um, is caddy. It is very, very thoughtful major championship winning golf. Mm. Minimise mistakes. Play to targets. Plot your way around the golf course. But when plotting, use that fantastic driving ability and also his his short game, his scrambling and putting. When he's at the top of his game, he can scramble brilliantly. And he can make those seven, eight, nine footers for par that are so vital. Yep. Yeah. So I might be unfashionable. I'm sure I am. I haven't taken Scheffler. I haven't taken Rahm. I'm not taking McElroy. It's a major. I've gone for Kepka. No, I'm with you, Steve. I mean, we, we talked in the preview pod about those at the top of the market. And again, it, it, I've, you know, thought process is very similar. It's a toss up between Brooks and Scheffler. Um, I could see the market moving towards Scheffler, but is he going to part? And that, that's you know the, the 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 million dollar question is you know will he produce the putting week? Whereas you look at Brooks, the Masters, he's fourth for strokes game putting. Oak Hill, he was first for strokes game putting. When it matters, Brooks Kepka can come to the party with that flat stick, and that, the the two of them could be you know they could be neck and neck coming down the coming down the stretch and if they're neck and neck coming down the stretch i would fancy brooks to win because he's got that major aggressive mentality um, and the ability to convert those putts when it's absolutely necessary and i'm not convinced that scott has got in got that in the locker right now if scotty scheffler's five shots clear going into sunday it's it's, it's a different story Completely different story, and he, you know, he's got the he's got the long game. He's got the tee to green game to potentially put himself into that position, and that's why he's favourite to win this tournament. But, um, but yeah, I'm on Brooks. I've played him slightly different to you. I've gone win only twelve to one. Um, the, the each way prices are eleven, so you know you you pick your poison really. But um, yeah, yeah. There's, there's an awful lot to like, isn't there? We, we and that again on the preview pod, we talked about the key variables if you're looking at it from a predictor perspective with the key variables that may impact this and my leaning would be towards the um, technical variable which is the you know determines players who play best on tougher courses 
um, Brooks is top. Um, and that's with him having been injured for part of those five years that it's been uh, clated for. Uh, Definitely. You know, there's, there's been periods where he's not been registering uh, results because he's been playing over on live, yet he still tops that stat. And I think that's testament to the fact that he just brings his game to the um, to the, to the um, major championships. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's got to be a bet for me. He doesn't give two shakes of a rat's tail about winning PGA Tour or Live Tour events. He just doesn't. And the, the two he's, the two Live events he's won, it's, that was confidence building from his low of last year that we saw on the Netflix documentary. Mm. And then he, oh, I, can, I can still play top-level golf. And then you go to the Masters and... Oh, lo and behold, I'm leading after the first, Oh, I'm leading after 30. Oh, I'm leading after 54. And then, as he as he said, yeah, he, he threw it away on the, on the Sunday. And he's, do you know what? That's what I like about him. He's so brutally honest. None of this golfer bullshit that you see week in, week out. He just said, yeah. <laughs> yeah, basically, I threw it away. I couldn't handle it mentally. And guess yeah. what? He then comes back at the next PGA Championship with everyone going, oh, well, not everyone, but a lot of people saying, oh, Brooks throws it away in majors. He hasn't won for years. He's just a choker. And guess what? Not a choker anymore, am I? No. He actually comes up and stands up and delivers. And that's what you want at majors. To me, there's only two players in this field that would actually, at the top of their games, maybe even three actually, would intimidate the rest of the field. The one that's slightly out there is Dustin Johnson. But when Johnson is at the peak of his powers, he intimidates anybody because mm. the guy's virtually unbeatable. Yep. Rory McElroy, when he's at the peak of his powers... If you've got McElroy chasing you down and he's playing his very best golf, that would take someone extremely strong to withstand that. And Brooks Kepka in majors, mate. Mm. When he's up there with you and he's not talking to you in the final group and he's strutting around, he's doing what exactly he does, that is alpha male type behaviour. Yeah, yeah. And another reason why people aren't keen on Kepka at the moment is because there's no strokes gain data on any of the live guys. And it's throwing people's minds. They can't back people where they can't see strokes gain data about them. Mm. So that's where we're at. Yeah, I would assume that with all this live um, stuff ongoing, they'll actually firstly get them official world golf ranking points. And that must have been already agreed between the Saudis and mm. uh, the PGA Tour board. And secondly, they they must be they're going to sort out some of this strokes gain data. They have to. It's modern golf. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bring it up to you'd hope so anyway. Else. So anyway, I'm on Kepka. Uh, my second tip, I'm going for the young pretender, Paul. I'm going for Victor Hovland. Yeah. And sometimes you look at these major championships, and you think to yourself, oh, you know, he's too obvious. Um, I can't, I can't do that because the price isn't great, and I've been caught so many times. I can remember Scotty Scheffler at the Masters, and you look back at Scotty's Masters win last year, and you just look back in black and white. You go, and well, actually, I could have had Scotty Scheffler, who's playing best golf in the world, at sixteen to one, to win his first major. And you know, retrospectively, on that Monday morning, you look at it and you just think. Yeah, why didn't I just do the bloody obvious thing and back Scotty Scheffler to win the Masters? Right, okay. I was very much in the same boat this week, and 
this guy was in this was in this no matter what he did at Charles Swab, no matter what he did at the memorial, and lo and behold, of course, he goes and wins the memorial. But even that's not putting me off because I think with Victor Hovland, you know, if you want a down-to-earth guy that can that can win his first PGA Tour victory in the United States, earn himself three point six million dollars into the bargain, and actually it doesn't really alter anything for him. It is Victor. And I think, you know, when you look at the fact that on the Monday morning after winning the Memorial, he was at US Open qualifier for his mate from Oklahoma State University as his caddy, I think that is Victor Hovland in a nutshell. Yeah. Very, very grounded individual. Second at the PGA Championship a few weeks ago, seventh at the 2023 Masters, Fourth at the St Andrews Open Championship. Those are his last three majors. A fourth, a seventh, and a second. And there's nothing to persuade me that Victor won't be right up there this week. He's, for me as well, he's a very cerebral sort. Very thoughtful. He does things that other players don't do on occasions just because he thinks that's the best way the hole should be played. So, great driver. Accurate driver, fantastic approach play. And for me, his bugbear was always the around the green game. It, that was always the problem with him at major setups. And he seems to have got his head around that recently as well. The, 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 the chipping, the, the, um, the around the green game, the scrambling is a lot, lot better. And I was looking at the betting board and I was seeing Victor Hovland at the same price point as Patrick Cantlay. It's not even a decision to be had there. Not yep. a decision for me. Uh, uh, you, you say to me, Steve, Cantlay or Hovland? I mean, it's, a, it's an absolute no-brainer. So Hovland it was. What are your thoughts on that? No, I, if I was picking between... I, I've not backed Hovland, but if I was picking between the two, then um, I'd be in exactly the same boat, I think. He's, Same as Xander as well. Yeah. If you if you lump those three together, I'd take I'd I'd go Hovland over Xander and Cantlin. Well, the other one I've backed in that region is Xander, and um, yeah, I guess the decision it's the same kind of argument again, isn't it? You take take um, Cantlay out of the equation. The guys at the top. The only one I'm really interested is um, is Kepka. Yeah, I, I can I can see your logic with Hovland. Um, I look at. Xander's performance in US Opens in the past and his record and he's outstanding. Fifth, sixth, third, fifth, seventh, fourteenth. The guy just comes to the fore at the US Open. We talked in the preview pod about some trends, and this is where what's led me to Xander. Um there are defined trends that you can oh, trends are there to be beaten. I, I, get, I get that, and they're, they're broken each each and every tournament as you go through you know over time things things change but if you look back historically um top 13 in all round ranking on their last start top 25 in total driving on their last start top 20 in strokes gained off the tee on the last start that's a really good starting point to whittle your players down um, and then a top 10 in a major in one of the last two major performances when i pumped all of those variables in i only got back to three players that was Rory McIlroy, Patrick Cantlay. I'm not backing either of those. Xander Schofle. 20 to 1, eight places each way with Bet365. You get the same same terms, same price with uh, Boyle Sports right now. 
Um, and I, you know, statistically, he he fits for me, so I'm I'm putting him in. Tenth at the Masters, eighteenth at the US PGA. Pretty freewheeling twenty fourth at the Memorial last time out as well. But some some nice numbers coming out of it. Fifth for driving accuracy, tenth for total driving, eleventh for strokes gain off the tee. Five top tens in his last seven events, playing some nice stuff. Um, Xander full stop and uh, defending the Travellers next week. If you believe in bio rhythms, then potentially that's another one to add to the mix. So, yeah, I, I, I've got to say I wasn't particularly close on back in, back in Victor. Um, he doesn't tend to pop into my thought processes as much as perhaps he should do. Um, but um, I can see your logic. But yeah, at that price point, Xander for me. So we're peppering that part of the board, aren't we? Yeah, the winners often come. No Scheffler, no Ram, Kepka. No McElroy, no Cantley, then Hovland and Scheffler. So basically, you and I have gone for two different guys who are literally next to each other in the betting market. Yeah, yeah. Um, of that next tranche, for me, uh, I'm thinking Smith here at 28, Homer at 28. There's even a Spieth out there at 28. Um, he's mainly. 20, I mean, for 25 to 1, we bet for eight places each way, actually, which is a decent price. Um, of those, I suppose you could also lump in there Hatton at 30s. For me, of those four, I've already backed Homer. We know now. I got him in January at 45s, I think it was, or something ridiculous. So that I'm not even contemplating Homer. He's, he's backed. It was just always that, that anti-post bet. Right now, I take speed. Who played some really nice stuff at the memorial, but ultimately, when I just look at the, those trends and what's happened in the past, and someone with a positive putter that isn't Jordan Spieth right now, and I know you could say, well, actually, you know, Jordan when he was in his heyday, Jordan was like the best putter in the world. Mm. Yeah, I get that. That could switch on. Yeah, celebrial golfer, undoubtedly. There's going to be a lot of ball moving on the ground. It's going to be a test of what happens when the ball hits the ground this week. Spieth does fit all of those categories. Um, he was the one I might have tried to slip in, but ultimately there's only so many points you can actually put into your staking plan. When you're taking someone at 11 to 1 and someone at 16 to 1, there isn't really that um, that arena where I could slip him in there at 22s, 25s. Mm. Of those four, Smith, Homer, Spieth, Hatton, who, who would be your selection if you were making one there, Paul? It's an interesting one, isn't it? Because you've got some names there that really yeah. could contend. Um, Smith, Smith I, yeah, there's a potential nagging question about a wrist injury. Remains to be seen if that's uh, got any, you know, got any legs or not. Homer playing in California. <sighs> Play, you know, if he'd have been playing the kind of golf that we'd seen a few months before, then I might have been quite tempted, even at the price, to put him in. But I don't think he's quite there. Hatton, yeah, again, mm. I, I, I could see Hatton getting into the places. I could see Hatton getting a you know a top eight, top ten here. Um, yeah, I, I, it's a tough one. It is a tough one because Spieth, again, is one of those major performers. But does he? miss the all-important short putts when it really matters. And that'd be the one thing that just put me off a little bit, I think. I think if, if I was if I, if I was going to back an each-way one out of those, I think I'd probably be on Hatton, personally. You, you're on Hatton? Okay. I can see that. 
I can th I can see that strokes gain statistically. Yes, Spieth is a great major performer. So there, there's there's that discussion. Cam Smith could be a party spoiler this week. He really could. But that amazing short game that he's got. The only thing that puts me off Smith is he's driving. He's so errant at the moment, and you could see him being a a baranka a baranka victim. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't matter how good you are if you're if you're eating the ball in the baranka a couple of times and you're literally. Um, getting some nasty, nasty positions. It doesn't matter who you are; you're not getting out of that. No, no. I think that I think that's going to be potentially a step too far. I tell you what, I was pretty dead from that point on. Spieth was the one in that area I liked, and I said this on Andy Lack's podcast last week, Inside Golf Podcast. Um, it was a bit of a dead zone around here. In the end, I got down to a player, and I, I, know, I know he's I know he's Marmite. And you could look at this two ways. You could look at this and go, well, actually, this chat, I don't think this course suits him. Or you could look at him and go, well, actually, with his length and with the fact that he's actually starting to find fairways and with the fact that he's got a fantastic short game when he's on song and can make some putts, I thought Bryson DeChambeau was too good a price to turn down. Mm. And again, I still think a lot of this anti, uh, a lot, a lot of these people don't want to get involved with live golfers because there's no strokes game for their models. They just can't deal with it, so they're instantly putting line through player. Oh, he's a live player. I, I, I've got no visibility, and I get that. But you can still, you can still see how a player is playing just looking at traditional statistics that we can find anywhere. And Deschambeau's playing some bloody good stuff at the moment. Some bloody good stuff. I think it's two consecutive uh, top 10 finishes. And one of those, of course, was a OK. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Only was in the mix and the uh, the following. All the way. The, 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 the live event that uh, followed that as well. So he was, yeah, at uh, DC. Off. That's it, yeah. yeah. I think he started slowly, but he certainly he certainly had a top... T he had a top 10 uh, scoring day on the Sunday. He was there all day about to finish mm. ninth. Um, same with Brooks, by the way. People will say that Brooks is downing tools... I think he had a little bit of a. He may may have had a few shandies in between uh, winning the uh, PGA and then turning up in Washington for the live event. Don't tell me that he didn't. I'm sure that he did. Um, and then after day one, Saturday and Sunday, top ten scoring on both of those days within that field. So he's back on it. I, I think Kep, the, I, I, the only potential downside with Kepka is he does like to play the week before a major, but I don't even see that being a potentially... Um, I don't think that's going to stop him winning this. Deshambo, yeah, I just went for Deshambo. With that driving distance, and if he's hitting plenty of fairways, there is this potential doubt about him maybe on golf courses with hanging lies or the fact that, you know, we've got, a, we've got some variations here in terms of... The topography approaches up, drives down, and vice versa. But yeah, I just I took Deshambo. You've got a US Open winner there at forty to forty-five to one, who's just finished fourth in the last major. It was just too good to to turn down. Yeah. And how far is this guy going to hit the ball this week with these firm and fiery fairways? Well, yeah, and if he keeps it in the fairway, it's going to be running forever. So. He could be going in with wedges on some of these holes, yeah, yeah. where some of these guys are going in with five, six iron. Yep. So yeah, Deshamba for me at forty to one. Now I was talking earlier about Denny McCarthy, 
Um, I won't go through that. I'll let you go through that because clearly you've put him up. The one I actually went with in the end because I thought to myself, especially here, if you look at the history of this, you and we've seen this recently, it's been a very polarising season for winning prices. You've either got winners sub 18 to 1. Uh, you get we, we saw Fitzpatrick, I think, won at 28 to 1. So 28 to 1 and down. The 33 40 to 1, 45 50 zone tends to be pretty dead. And you're getting a lot of 50, well, 50 through 66 to 80 to 1 winners. Mm. And I just looked at the betting board and I looked at what I wanted to see. Now, hands up, this guy is never going to be top of a strokes game putting analysis. That's just not his bag. He does have speed. He does have sparky weeks, though, where he can be top twenty-five, top thirty for strokes game putting on that particular week. We saw one at the PGA Championship, and on that particular week, he was contending the whole week. And I just thought, if there was a guy in this field at that kind of sixty to eighty to one price, who's hitting the ball a long way, who's hitting the ball straight, who's fantastic off the tee. A real ball striking machine, someone that's good from 200 yards and out, someone that can hit green after green after green after green on difficult, firm golf courses. Who would that be at this price point? And I got to Corey Connors, who, despite wearing that ridiculously horrible shirt on Sunday and going backwards at the Canadian Open, like Canadians are meant to do, clearly Nick Taylor didn't read that script. His actual game last week at Oakdale was fantastic. Um, yeah, Connors, do you know what? He feels a bit Gary Woodlandish to me when he won at Pebble Beach. Yeah, Someone okay. that's in the top 25, top 28 in the world, always at that juicy mid-price, 60, 60, 60, 70 to 1, that could just kind of be in the mix and actually hang around. And you just never know. So yeah, Corey Connors it was for me. I got him sixty to one, eight places each way with bet three six five. Yeah, no, I, I can I could see your logic, and he has popped up a number of times at majors, hasn't he? He's played well at the Masters. In the oh past. yeah, this is it, Paul. You've hit the nail on the head. <clears throat> Augusta National, I don't think is a bad comp here. Mm. Bermuda grass carpet, apart from the bent grass greens, tick undulations. Tick. The agronomy's right. The raised greens, the firm greens. Yes, I get all of that. And he's finished 10th, 8th, and 6th there across 2020, 2021, and 2022. Yeah. He's also a two time winner on the PGA Tour. Both of those victories have come on that really tough, firm TPC San Antonio track. And you mentioned earlier about our firm golf course condition variable on the predictor model yeah connor's very visible in that as well so yeah i went with connor so 60 to 1 on connor's these are my four 40 to 1 on dechambeau uh hovland at 16 to 1 and i've got brooks kepka at 11 to 1 i will add in there if i was and i'm going to potentially back them on the exchange uh it would be denny mccarthy would be my fifth man in so on so talk, talk us through denny paul yeah, I was just looking at Connors because I've got a tendency to, uh, to. Oh, I know about that. <laughs> to, I've got a tendency to put players up um, 
like Connors for first round leader, and often when you've backed them outright, and it all goes horribly wrong for both of us. Um, well, he did that for Kepka at the last one. He went on to win. So. Yeah, yeah. No, but he did no, shoot two right. over in round one. Yeah, no, you're right. When your money was on him. Um, I, was, I was just looking because the um, the tea times are here, so I was just checking to see where Connor's tea time was. And he's, Hopefully he's got an afternoon one. No, it's 8.02 in the morning. Oh, of course. <laughs> um, so, he's been starting really fast, hasn't he? He has, yeah. yeah. Um, well, I'm, I'm going to take a, a, a deeper look at the first round leader market afterwards. But let's I might have to pay you not to put him up. <laughs> Yeah, but as you say, no, there's, there's there's a good precedent there with Brooks Kepka from uh, from last time. So maybe, anyway, Denny. Yes, I mean we talked about Denny a bit on the preview pod, didn't we? Because of this, um, you know, him being so prominent in the firm stats yes. on the predictor, and yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah quite rightly so, I think. Um, it's uh, I don't mean that's a bad place to start this week if you're doing some analysis. Uh, short game, as you said, um, is his strength. Ninth for scrambling for the season to date, fourth for strokes game putting. So he's not going to be the kind of player who navigates his way round from tee to green and compiles a score that way. He's going to do it the uh, the Patrick Reed styley, uh, but. I think, and going back to the very top of the pod, you said, um, and quite rightly, I think, that a variety of different players with a variety of different games could feature here this week. And uh, if there's one who's going to attack it from that kind of short game perspective, then Denny could be the man. Seventh last year at Brookline, that was his best major championship finish. Another Gil Hans uh, renovation, of course. And playing some great stuff this year. Fourth at Pebble, 14th Riviera, 13th at uh, TPC Sawgrass. 8th at Quail, even at uh, Oak Hill, 29th. And that was after he opened with a round of 75. So he could well have been packing his bags on Friday night, but recovered from there and uh, produced a, a decent enough finish overall, top 30. Uh, lost that playoff, as you mentioned a few minutes ago, to, to uh, Victor Hovland at Muirfield Village. But that's the closest he's come to a win so far. And uh, you know, once the disappointment of those kind of weeks uh, passes, then... You know, a, a good professional will take that bank it as really good um, experience, um, use it for the next time they're in the mix. And uh, yeah, um, another one I've backed at uh, three figure prices. There's three overall. Um, another one I've backed is Harris English, who I've taken at 125 to one uh, with William Hill ten places each way. You can get slightly longer if you want to go um, eight places each way, but so uh, I've taken the ten with Harris. And uh, I, I guess he's one that's caught the eye a few times. I know you've backed him quite recently as well, Steve. Yeah. He was um, he was one of the players that really did thrive following the COVID break. He produced uh, some of his really best goal following that. Second to DJ at the Northern Trust. You were talking about DJ earlier when he's at his best. That was when he was at his very best. He, he absolutely lapped the field. Um, I think nine shots or something like that in the end at uh, the Northern Gil Trust. Gil Hans golf course, Boston, yeah. Absolutely, yeah. Um, 13th at Eastlake, 4th at Winged Foot behind Bryson. Um, three more top 10s to finish the year that year in 2020. And then went on to win at Kapalua, uh, won the Travellers. And that got him up to 10th in the world rankings at that point. Um, career best, but uh, you, you don't get to 10th in the world rankings by chance. That was, uh, you know, courtesy of some fantastic play. And then he had this hip injury, um, which we've heard all about over the year, you know, the last year or so was out for five months and um, it just really, you know, just halted his progress, I guess, is the only way you could describe it. So it's good to see him back up to speed recently. Second at Bay Hill, third at uh, the Wells Fargo. 
you bet it's a McClonial, and he was third going into Sunday, and he just drifted on the Sunday. So drifted <laughs> like a barge, mate. But yes, he's playing a lot better stuff, and he's got a great US Open record. He has, yeah, yeah, yeah. Two top, uh, two top fours in his last three outings. Yeah. Um, he, he likes firm and fast. Um, I think the LA Country Club should really suit him. Classical, challenging tracks, right up his alley. So, uh, for a strong three-figure price, uh, Harris English is in there. The other one, um, longer still, Adam Schenk, two hundred and fifty to one. Um, I back that with eight places with Bet three six five. That is the best price out there right now, and uh, a few few different options. But with um, eight places, that seemed to be the best option for me. He is 54th in the world rankings, which made him the last player in the field um, from the top 60 cutoff before they started to delve into the alternates list to fill the field this week. Playing some great stuff, though. Second at the Valspar in March. You remember that because he was tied for the lead coming down the final hole. Um, drove, um, drove it left, landed at the base of a tree and had to play out left-handed from there to try and make his par to get into the playoff, um, which eventually didn't make and he lost by one to Taylor Moore. But, you know, it kind of marked mm. our card as a player that could uh, could potentially win a tournament. Became a father in April and then lost that playoff to Emiliano Grillo at Colonial a few weeks back as well. So it, it seems progressive to me. Seventh from Ureville Village last time out. Um, but both of those runner-up finishes, he was third for scrambling. So there's some, you know, I, th- I think scrambling could be an important thing this week. Eleventh uh, and sixth for strokes gained approach on his last two outings. Ninth and eleventh strokes gained putting on his last two outings. So all round, his game seems to be uh, moving yeah. in the right direction. He's made a huge jump forward this year. Yes, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And he, he literally only just snuck into the top sixty from that uh, seventh place finish at Muirfield Village. So you know, he should mm. be riding the crest of a wave here coming into this. I think twenty uh, foot twenty fourth at the U.S. Open last year on his debut. I think he can build on that. So. So yeah, three long shots, Adam Schenk, um, Harris English, Denny McCarthy. I was tempted on Gary Woodland, always am. I've kind of tried to wean myself on a profit. So um, if you want a fourth, back Gary Woodland, because the fact that I've not backed him this week probably means he will finish top eight. Um, I've seen a few people talking about Sepp Stracker, I get that. Yeah, Sepp Stracker, yeah. 250s. Um, I think mm. I, I'd have preferred it to be Bermuda Greens, and then I might have been tempted to go on it. But um, he's playing some nice stuff. The other one, um, who is a, a mad price, thousand to one out there, Sam Bennett, and he's the um, he's the cool. amateur. Well, he's not, not an amateur now. He's it, turned pro yeah. since. But um, if you want a boy that can drive the ball, yeah, you can absolutely. drive it. He really yeah, did impress. Fantastic driver. Yeah, really was impressive at Augusta National and mm. 20th last week as well. So 16 to 1 for a top 20 finish might be a little bit more realistic than going all out at 1,000 to 1. But if you want an absolute mad outlier for, for a quid each way, then that could be the one, Sam Bennett. I've just gone to our brand new predictor model, Paul. Mm. And I'm, I'll put a link in the description for the listeners. Um, you go to event specific in the department section on the left where your variables are. You click on click on that, and then you've got par seventy, long course, technical, firm, classical, recent majors, bent grass positive. There's a Hans design variable on there. There's a West Coast swing variable on there. There's loads of info over the last five years. These numbers. Now I've just gone to firm, firm golf courses, and I've maximised it to ten. Yep. Xander, Rory, Ram. They top that particular firm golf course variable over the last five years. And then tied for fourth, Hideki Matsuama and Denny McCarthy. Mm. That's crazy. 
That's pretty mad. Okay, so that's firm, and I can see what you know. That's why we have this liking for Denny McCarthy, just out of interest. Uh, Homer's in there in the top ten, as is Hovland, as is Deshamba. I'm then going to go to technical, maximise that to ten. So technical, I basically mean tournaments where it's single-digit winning numbers. Long golf course, this is one of those. Maximise that to ten. I've gone past seventy. Maximise that to ten. Rory McIlroy, number one. Brooks Kepka number two, John Rahm number three, Xander number four, Scotty Scheffler number five. That's your top five. Lo and behold, you know, pretty much the best players in the world right now. DJ six, Matsuama seven. He's a dark horse, Matsuama. The only thing I don't like about Hideki is none of his good play at the moment is with the driver. And I don't think players like that win the US Open ultimately. Could well place though. Finau at eight, JT at nine. And Bryson DeChambeau roll, uh, is the, is, uh, the, the, he's in the top 10 at 10 with Victor Hovland at 11. So that's what the stats say. Come and play with that predictor model. It's completely free of charge. There is no paywall. Very, very useful um, piece of kit. The actual results, as you move the variables, update automatically on the right-hand side. You don't have to just sit there and wait for five minutes while the results generate. Great bit of kit. Mm. I think that's us, Paul, is it? You happy? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Looking forward to this. Should be a good one. The course setup looks fantastic. So uh, bring it on. It's just a, it is a shame it's on the West Coast. Yes, <laughs> late nights. And the leaders are teeing off at 10. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah, it's not so good. I hope your bets go well. Yeah, best of luck. Uh, best of luck to Barry's bets as well. As he. Uh, has he? He's got a twenty-nine hour flight or something ridiculous. Oh, yeah, uh, three or four stops. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, best luck to listeners. Uh, we will be back next week with another golf betting system podcast, which will cover off the Travelers Championship on the PGA Tour. And what have you got, Paul? It is the um, BMW International Open at uh, München Eichenried next week. Always one of your favourites. Mm. With that pronunciation. Absolutely. Excellent. Well, thank you for your time this morning. We'll be back next week. Don't forget, five-star reviews, people. Get them across. See you again soon. Cheers. Bye. If you like betting on golf But everyone that you back misses the cut Get some experts involved With all the stats and the tips and so much more Cause it's the golf betting system The golf betting system is the 